Chapter 18 In which the Scarecrow and Miss Angorian reappear. They opened the flower shop the next day, as Howell had pointed out. It could not have been simpler. Every early morning, all they had to do was open the door and the knob with the knob purple down and go out into the swimming green haze to gather flowers. It soon became a routine. Sophie took her stick and her scissors and stumped about, chatting to her stick and using it to test the squashy ground or hook down sprays of high up choice roses. Michael took an invention of his of his own which was which he was very proud of. It was a large thin tub of it was a large thin tub with water in it, which floated in the air and followed Michael wherever he went among the bushes. The dogman went too. He had a wonderful time rushing about the wet green lanes, chasing butterflies or trying to catch tiny bright birds that fed on the flowers. While he dashed about, Sophie cut armloads of long irises or lilies or frondy orange flowers or branches of blue hibiscus, and Michael loaded the bath with orchids, roses, starry white flowers, shiny vermilion ones, or anything that caught his fancy. They all enjoyed this time. Then, before the heat in the bushes grew too intense, they took the day's flowers back to the shop and arranged them in a motley collection of jugs, buckets, uh, and buckets which Howell had dug out of the yard. Two of the buckets were actually seven-league boots. Nothing, Sophie thought, was... Nothing, Sophie thought, as she arranged shocks of gladius... Gladius? Gladiolus? In yep. them. Gladios? Gladiolus? Gladiolus! There you go. There Gladiolus in them. Could show how completely Howell had lost interest in Letty. He did not care now if Sophie used them or not. Do you know Do where you, you are? Where you are? <laughs> yeah. You are in an endless epic. And here there be dragons. We're doing a shotgun episode. Because Smith has got a thing to do, I've got a thing to do, but <laughs> we're back with the Endless Epic. There's things to be done. There's just things to be done, so, so there might not be a lot of uh, analyzation in this episode, but if there's stuff we want to touch on, we'll touch on it in the next episode. It, well, and it's it's certainly good that there is no analyzation I in this. despise you. <laughs> Get back to reading. <laughs> Howell was nearly... Howell was nearly always missing while they gathered flowers, and the doorknob was always turned black down. He was usually back before, back for a late breakfast, looking dreamy, still in his black clothes. He would never tell Sophie which suit the black one really was. <clears throat> I'm in mourning for Mrs. Penstemon. Was all he would say, you are on the ball, my guy. Am I? Is that sarcastic? <laughs> yeah, it was sarcastic. Okay, it was, it was my 30 that was like a, delay. That was like a full 35 seconds. I, I, had, to, I had to realize, like, sorry, I, I, I knew that line, and I'm causing us a lot of time delay here. I knew that line was Hal, but then I forgot it was Hal. I was like, is this Sophie? Or? No, okay, it's Hal. And if Sophie or Michael asked why Hal was always away... At that time, Howell would look injured and say, If you want to talk to a school teacher, you have to catch her before school starts. 
Then he would disappear into the bathroom for the next two hours. Meanwhile, Sophie and Michael put on their fine clothes and opened the shop. Howell insisted on the fine clothes. He said it would attract custom. Sophie insisted they all wore aprons, and after the first few days, when people of Market Chipling simply stared through the window and did not come into the shop, the shop became very popular. Word had gone round that Jenkins had flowers like no flowers ever seen before. People Sophie had known all her life came and bought flowers by the bundle. None of them recognized her, and that made her feel very odd. They all thought she was Howell's old mother, but Sophie had had enough of being Howell's old mother. I'm his aunt, she told Miss Cesari. She became known as Aunt Jenkins. Ooh, how illustrious. I like that. Yeah, yeah. Granny Jenkins is insulting. Aunt Jenkins is endearing. It is. By the time Howell arrived in the shop in a black apron to match his suit, he usually found it quite busy. He made it busier still. This was when Sophie began to be sure that the black suit was really the charmed gray and scarlet one. Any Lady Howell's serve was sure to go away with at least twice the number of flowers she had asked for. Most of the time, Howell had charmed them into buying ten times as much. Before long, Sophie noticed ladies peering in and deciding not to come into the shop when they saw Howell was there. She did not blame them. If you just want a rose for a buttonhole, you do not want to be forced to buy three dozen orchids. She did not discourage Howell when Howell took to spending long hours in the workshed across the yard. I'm setting up defense against the witch before you ask, he had said. By the time I finish, there will be no way she can get into any part of this place. There was sometimes a problem with leftover flowers. Sophie could not bear to see them wilting overnight. She found that she could keep them fairly fresh if she talked to them. After that, she talked to the flowers a lot. She got Michael to make her a plant nutrition spell, and she and she expermeated in buckets in, and she expermeated, experimented. I'm sorry, what there the hell was go. that? She <laughs> experimented in buckets in the sink. I was like, what the hell is expermeated? Uh, and in the tubs in the alcove where she used to trim hats. She found she could keep some plants fresh for days, so of course she experimented some more. She got some soot out of the yard and planted things in muttering, in it muttering busily. She grew navy blue roses like that, which she, which pleased her greatly. Its buds were coal black, and the flowers opened bluer and bluer until they became almost the same blue as calcifer. Sophie was so delighted with it that she took roots from all the bags hanging on the beams and experimented with those. She told herself she had never been happier in her life. This was not true. Something was wrong, and Sophie could not understand what. Sometimes she thought it was the way no one in market shipping recognized her. She did not dare go and see Martha, for fear Martha would not know her either. She did not dare tip the flowers out of the Seven League boots and go see Letty, for the same reason she could not bear either of her sisters to see her with the old woman. Uh, hang on a second. Do not switch. Ah, damn it. 
got some lag? No, the the damn thing just uh, decided to freak out on me. Hang on, lovely. Fixing it. There we go. Um, for some reason, about partway through when we're recording, it'll suddenly recognize the Elgato and then be like, "Hey, do you want to switch your camera to the Elgato?" I'm like, "Why? Why, Why would I want to do that?" Why not? <laughs> Okay, uh, sometimes the troubles seem to be Calcifer. Oh, wait, hang on, hang on. Uh, she, uh, she could not bear either of her sisters to see her as an old woman. Michael went off with bunches of spare flowers to see Martha all the time. Sometimes Sophie thought it was... What was the matter with her? It was that... Thought that was what was the matter with her. Michael was so cheerful, and she was left on her own in the shop more and more often. But that did not seem to be quite it. Sophie enjoyed selling flowers on her own. Sometimes the trouble seemed to be Calcifer. Calcifer was bored. He had nothing to do except keep the castle gently drifting along the lanes of grass, and around the various pools and lakes, and to make sure that they arrived in a new spot with new flowers every morning. His blue face was always leaning eagerly out of the grate when Sophie and Michael came in with their flowers. I want to see out there. He'd said. Sophie brought him tasty smelling leaves to burn, which made the castle room smell as strongly as the bathroom. But Calcifer said what he really wanted was company. Uh, they went into the shop all day and left him alone. So Sophie made Michael serve him, serve in the shop for at least an hour every morning while she went and talked to Calcifer. She invented guessing games to keep Calcifer occupied when, he, when she was busy, but Calcifer was still discontented. When are you going to break my contract with Howl? He asked more and more often. And Sophie put Calcifer off. I'm working on it. She it said. won't be long now. This was not quite true. Sophie had stopped thinking of it unless she had to. When she put together what Mrs. Penstemon had said with all the things Howell and Calcifer had said, she found she had some strong and rather terrible ideas about the contract. She was sure that breaking it would be the end of both Howell and Calcifer. Howell might deserve it, but Calcifer did not. And since Howell seemed to be working really quite hard in order to slither out of the rest of the witch's curse, Sophie wanted nothing to do, wanted to do nothing unless she could help. Sometimes Sophie thought it was simply that the dog man was getting her down. He was such a doleful creature. The only time he seemed to enjoy himself was when he chased down the green lanes between the bushes every morning. For the rest of the day, he trudged gloomily after Sophie, sighing deeply. As Sophie could do nothing about him either, she was rather glad when the weather grew hotter and hotter toward the midsummer day and the dogman took to lying in patches of shade out in the yard, panting. Meanwhile, the roots Sophie had planted had become quite interesting. The onion had become a small palm tree and was sprouting a little onion-scented nuts. Another grew, root grew into a sort of pink sunflower. Only one was slow to grow. When at last it put out two round green leaves, Sophie could hardly wait to see what it would grow into. 
The next day, it looked as though it might be an orchid. It had pointed leaves spotted with mauve and a long stalk growing out of the middle of the middle with a large bud on it. The day after that, Sophie left the fresh flowers in the tin bath and hurried eagerly to the alcove to see what was getting on. The bud had opened into a pink flower, like an orchid that had been through a mangle. It was flat and joined to the stalk just below a round tip. There was four petals sprouting from a plump pink middle, two pointing downward and two more than halfway up, that stuck out the side, stuck out sideways. While Sophie stared at it, a strong scent of spring flowers warned her that Howell was coming in and standing behind her. What is that thing? He said. If you were expecting an ultraviolet violet or an infrared geranium, you got it wrong, Mrs. Mad Scientist. It looks like a squashed baby flower. Michael said, coming to look. It did, too. Howell shot Michael an alarmed look and picked up the flower in its pot. He slid it out of the pot into his hand, where he carefully separated the white, thready roots and the soot uh, and the remains of the manure spell until he uncovered the brown, forked root Sophie had grown it from. I might have guessed, he said. It's mandrake root. Sophie strikes again. You do have a touch, don't you, Sophie? He put the plant back carefully, passed it to Sophie, and went away, looking rather pale. So that was almost all the curse come true, Sophie thought, as she went to arrange the flesh, fresh flowers in the shop window. The mandrake root had had a baby. Uh, that only left one more thing, the wind to advance an honest mind. If that meant Howell's mind had to be honest, Sophie thought there was a chance that the curse might never come true. She told herself it served Howell right anyway, for going courting Miss Angorian every morning in a charmed suit, but she still felt alarmed and guilty. She arranged the sheaf of white lilies in a seven-league boot, and she crawled into the window to get them just so. She heard a regular clump-clump-clump from outside in the street. It was not the sound of a horse. It was the sound of a stick hitting stones. Sophie's heart was behaving oddly even before she dared look out the window. There, sure enough, came the scarecrow, hopping slowly and purposely down the center of the street. The rags trailing from its outstretched arms were fewer and grayer, and the turnip of its face was withered into a look of determination, as if it had hopped ever since Howell hurled it away, until it at last hopped its way back. Sophie was not only one was not the only one to be scared. The few people that the few people about that early were running away from the scarecrow as hard as they could run, but the scarecrow took no notice and hopped on. Sophie hid her face from it. We're not here. She told it in a fierce whisper. You don't know we're here. You can't find us. Hop away fast. The clump clump of the hopping stick slowed as the scarecrow neared the shop. Sophie wanted to scream for Howl, but all she seemed to be able to do was go on repeating. We're not here. Go away quickly. And the hop hopping speeded up. 
That's an odd way to phrase it. Just <laughs> as she told it to, and the scarecrow hopped its way past the shop and on through market shipping. Sophie thought she was going to come over queer, but she seemed just to have been holding her breath. She took a deep breath and felt shaky with relief. If the scarecrow came back, she could send it away again. Howell had gone out when Sophie went into the castle room. He seemed awfully upset. Michael said. Sophie looked at the door. The knob was blacked down. Not that upset, she thought. Michael went out too, to Cesari's, that morning, and Sophie was alone in the shop. It was very hot. The flowers wilted in spite of the spells, and very few people seemed to want to buy any. What with this and the mandrake root and the scarecrow, all Sophie's feelings seemed to come to a head. She was downright miserable. It may be the curse hovering over, hovering to catch up with Howl. She sighed to the flowers. But I think it's being the eldest, really. Look at me. I set out to seek my fortune and I end up exactly where I started. And old as the hills still. Here the dogman put his glossy red snout round the door to the yard and whined. Sophie sighed. Never an hour passed without the creature checking up on her. Yes, I'm still here. She said. Where did you expect me to be? The dog came inside the shop. He sat up and stretched his paws out stiffly in front of him. Sophie realized he was trying to turn into a man. Poor creature. He tr she tried to be nice to him because he was, after all, worse off than she was. Try harder. She said. Put your back into it. You can be a man if you want to. The dog stretched and straightened his back and strained and strained, and just as Sophie was sure he was going to have to give up or topple over backward, he managed to rise to his hind legs and heave himself up into a distraught, grinning, ginger-haired man. I envy how he panted. Does that so easily. I was dog in the hedge. You helped. Told Letty. I knew you helped. I'd keep watch. I was here before in... He began to double up again into a dog and howled with annoyance. With which in chop. He wailed and fell forward onto his hands growing a great deal of grey and white hair as he did so. Sophie stared at the large, shaggy dog that now stood there. You were with the... you were with the witch? She said. She remembered now. The anxious, ginger-haired man who had stared at her in horror. Oh, that's, yeah, sorry. <laughs> Just spaced out there for a second. <clears throat> Then you know who I am, and you know I'm under a spell. Does Letty know too? The huge shaggy head nodded. And she called you... Gaston? Gaston? Sophie remembered. Oh, my friend. She has made it hard for you. Fancy having all that hair in your... Weather? weather? In this weather. Oh, in the... Oh, there we go, yeah. 
You'd be better to go somewhere cool. The dog nodded again and shambled miserably into the yard. But why did Letty send you? Sophie wondered. She felt thoroughly put out and disturbed by this discovery. She went up the stairs and through the broom cover to talk to Calcifer. It doesn't Calcifer was not much help. Oh, sorry. You're good. It doesn't make any difference how many people know you're under a spell. Uh, he said. It hasn't helped the dog much, has it? No, but... Sophie began, but just then the castle door clicked and opened. Sophie and Calcifer looked. They saw the doorknob was still set to black down, and they expected Howl to come through it. It was hard to say which of them was more astonished when the person who slid rather cautiously around the door turned out to be Miss Angorian. Miss Angorian was equally astonished. Oh, I beg your pardon. She said. I thought Mr. Jenkins might be here. He's out. Sophie said stiffly, and she wondered where Howell had gone, if not to see Miss Angorian. Miss Angorian let go of the door, which she had been clutching in her surprise. She left it swinging open on nothing and came pleadingly towards Sophie. Sophie found she had got up herself and came across the room. It seemed as if she was trying to block Miss Angorian off. Please. Miss Angor uh, said Miss Angorian. Don't tell Mr. Jenkins I was here. To tell you the truth, I only encouraged him in hope of getting news of my fiancé, Ben Sullivan. You know, I'm positive Ben disappeared in the same place Mr. Jenkins keeps disappearing to. Only Ben didn't come back. There's no Mr. Sullivan here. Sophie said, and she thought that's the wizard Solomon's name. I don't believe a word of it. Huh, that's weird. <laughs> oh, I know that. Miss Angorian said. But this feels like the right place. Do you mind if I just look around a little to give myself some idea of the sort of life Ben's leading now? She hooked her sheet of black hair behind one ear and tried to walk further into the room. Sophie stood in the way. This forced Miss Dangorian to tiptoe pleadingly away sideways towards the workbench. How very quaint, she said, looking at the bottles and the jars. What a quaint little town, she said, looking out the window. It's called Market Chipping. Sophie said, and she moved round and herded Miss Angorian backward towards the door. And what's up those stairs? Miss Angorian asked, pointing to the open door to the stairs. Howl's private room. Sophie said, firmly walking Miss Angorian away backwards. And what's through that other open door? Miss Angorian asked. A flower shop. Said Sophie. No... Nosy Parker, she thought. By this time, Miss Angorian either had to back into the chair or out through the door again. She stared at Calcifer in, vague, in a vague frowning way, as if she was not sure what she was seeing, and Calcifer simply stared back without saying a word. This made Sophie feel better about being so very unfriendly. 
Only people who understood Calcifer were really welcome in Howell's house. But now, Miss Angorian made a dive round the chair and noticed Howell's guitar leaning in its corner. She snatched it up with a gasp and turned round, holding it to her chest possessively. Uh, where did you get this? Miss Angorian demanded in a low, emotional voice. Ben had a guitar like this. It could be Ben's. I heard Hal bought it last winter. Sophie said. Still you. Uh, and she walked forward again, trying to scoop Miss Angorian out of the corner and through the door. Give me, give me, give me two minutes. Don't leave. Keep going. Sorry. Uh, I, it's, it's you. Oh, shit. <clears throat> out of the corner and through the door. Something's happened to Ben. Miss Angorian said throbbingly. He would never have parted from his guitar. I don't know where this accent's coming from. Where is he? I know he can't be dead. I'd know in my heart if he were. Sophie wondered whether to tell Miss Angorian that the witch had caught Wizard Solomon. She looked across to see where the human skull was. She had half a mind to wave it in Miss Angorian's face and say it was Wizard Solomon's. But the skull was in the sink, hidden behind a bucket of spare ferns and lilies, and she knew that if she went over there, Miss Angorian would ooze out into the room again. Besides, it would be unkind. May I take this guitar? Miss Andor Angorian said huskily, clutching it to her. To remind me of Ben. The throb in Miss Angorian's voice annoyed Sophie. No. She said. There's no need to be so intense about it. You've no proof it was his. She hobbled close to Miss Angorian and seized the guitar by its neck. Miss Angorian stared at her over it with wide, anguished eyes. Sophie dragged. Miss Angorian hung on. The guitar gave out horrible, out-of-tune jangles. Sophie jerked it out of Miss Angorian's arms. Don't be silly. She said. You've no right to walk into people's castles and take their guitars. I've told you Mrs. Mr. Sullivan's not here. Now go back to Wales. Go on. And she used the guitar to push Miss Angorian backwards through the open door. Still you. Miss Angorian backed into the nothingness until half of her vanished. You're hard. She said reproachfully. Yes, I am. Said Sophie and slammed the door on her and she turned the knob to orange down to prevent Miss Angorian from coming back and dumped the guitar back in the corner with a firm twang. Sophie's getting hard, I street know. hard. <laughs> and don't you tell, don't you dare tell how she was here. <clears throat> uh, she said unreasonably to Calcifer. I bet she came here to see how. The rest was just a pack of lies. Wizard Solomon was settled here years ago. He probably came to get away from her beastly throbbing voice. Calcifer chuckled. I've never seen anyone get rid of... got rid of so fast. He said. This made Sophie feel both unkind and guilty. After all, she herself had walked into the castle in much the same way, and she had been twice as nosy as Miss Angorian. Gah! She said. She stumped into the bathroom and stared at her withered old face in the mirrors. 
She picked up one of the packets labeled skin and then tossed it down again. Even young and fresh, she did not think her face compared particularly well with Miss Angorian's. Gah. She said. Duh. She hobbled rapidly back and seized ferns and lilies from the sink. She hobbled them dripping to the shop where she rammed them into a bucket of nutrition spell. Be daffodils. She told them in a mad, angry, croaking voice. Be daffodils in June, you beastly things. The dogman put his shaggy face round the yard door. When he saw the mood Sophie was in, he backed out again hurriedly. When Michael came merrily in with a large pie a minute later, Sophie gave him such a glare that Michael instantly remembered a spell Howell had asked him to make up and fled away through the broom cupboards. Gah. Sophie snarled at him. She bent over her bucket again. Be, Be daffodils. daffodils. Be daffodils. <laughs> she croaked. It did not make her feel any better. That she knew it was a silly way to behave. All right, guys, we're going to have to do a rapid end there yep. on that friggin' speed read. <laughs> Smitty's got to go. Uh, in the meantime, follow us on all of the things. You can click on a previous episode to get that stuff. Absolutely. And in the meantime, stay bloodthirsty, my friends. And remember, all hail. The Black Dragons, we will see you guys next time. Bye-bye. Yeah, well, this is an effect chicken. She can't have bread. <laughs> yeah, the chicken is breaded, dipshit. <laughs> that's that's not that doesn't make any sense. I I don't believe in that. That's that's the that's, stupidest shit I've ever heard you say. Well, that's debatable. I actually don't know. Fair enough. First of all, I retract that statement. That was a little. Hold on, hold on. I still. There's grilled chicken, so you know what? Fuck you. <laughs> right, but you were thinking grilled chicken. But who the fuck? Who the fuck my is statement grilled, is not who the fuck is grilled chicken at Jesus I'm Chicken. I'm just man. saying I'm not wrong. That's my point. Okay, <laughs> I'm just saying I'm not wrong. We're gonna get into this and just forget it uh, ever happened. <clears throat> you read the chapter name. <clears throat> chapter name or chapter number? Uh, number. Sorry. See, then we would have gotten into another fight. I know. Because you're out here fucking misspeaking your ass. Off. I mean, yeah. freaking misspeaking your butt all wow. over the place. You're so profane. I know. I'm sorry. <clears throat> A moment of silence, please. <clears throat>